We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hurt by a defective product? Yes. How about by a dog bite? Yeah. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 10. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. The winter sports season is wrapping up for several teams. We'll talk about two of those sports in this week's podcast. My good friend Justin Gard just wrapped up his first season as the play-by-play voice of the Gopher women's basketball team. He'll join me to talk about that recently completed season. And the Gopher wrestling team will send eight grapplers to the NCAA championship meet in Detroit next weekend, including the Big Ten headliner Gable Steveson. Minnesota head coach Brandon Egham will also join me here on the Go Gopher podcast episode 10. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by our great friends at Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone. And True North MNA serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most from your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com and tnma.com today. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. As always, our thanks to Tony. He's a big-time gopher fan. And both of our sponsors help make this a free podcast. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast. You can go back and listen to other Go Gopher podcasts as well. Last week, for example, we talked hoops and hockey with two of the best, basketball with Ryan James and hockey with Jess Myers. Again, it's free for you to subscribe and free to listen at any time. Right here and right now, let's talk women's basketball. And Justin Gard joins me. Well, Gardzi, good to see you. The women's basketball season came to an end last week in Indianapolis, a hard-fought game, a loss uh, to the Northwestern Wildcats. And before we get in and into it and get your breakdown of the team, I want to ask you, first of all, uh, in year one, how much did you enjoy uh, being part of the team, being part of the play-by-play process, and spending that first year um, as the guy, as the voice of the program? Uh, it was awesome. Let me break a little news on uh, women's basketball. Potentially, the season might not be over. They right. might be playing in the National Invitational Tournament. They're uh, trying to get into the WNIT. We'll find out on Sunday if they do that. Historically, you got to be 500. Um, but now that like COVID has changed everything, like all bets are off. So <laughs> their net rankings high enough. Their strength of schedule is high enough. They'd like to keep playing. Um, and to answer your question, I mean, first year was a blast. Play as you know, play by play is amazing. It's so much fun. Uh, no idea if I'm any good at it, but I loved working with Lynette. Uh, who's done it 21 seasons, and she really helped me along. She was very patient with me um, in the transition, and it was uh, absolutely a blast. And the last month specifically when the team kind of settled in and started to play better um, was even better because then you get to then you get some good games, you get some good environments. It was 100% absolute blast. I hope they make the NIT so I can keep, keep doing it because I was, I was bummed when they lost against Northwestern. 
Yeah, we'll talk about that game in the season. Uh, what'd you like most about it? As as you uh, you know, you get embedded with the team and you're you're traveling and you're going to different venues. What was your favorite part from a professional standpoint? Um, the arenas, I think. I mean, there's a million things. I could. It just depends on the day. Um, but you know, I'm I'm like you. I grew mm-hmm. up in Big Ten country. I grew up watching every arena. Like I even told Lynette that I said you're going to have to bear with me when we go to some of these places because I'm going to be like a seven year old going to Mackey Arena for the first time, going to Assembly Hall for the first time um, just seeing all the different arenas that I've watched on TV and being able to do a game there having uh, my dad come down to Carver Hawkeye where he basically you know went to games you know when he was down there at school and just stuff like that like seeing the rest of the Big Ten to me is the coolest and being around and my favorite part as you know because I make you get to football stadiums like nine hours early which I love <laughs> which you love yes my favorite place in the world to be is an, an empty arena or stadium and nobody else is there I just think that's such a cool privilege so whether it was shoot around or before the game or whatever it was just to be able to walk into those places you know loading dock go up through the tunnel pretending I'm a player looking at the banners <laughs> whether it was Williams Arena which we did obviously 15 20 times and I grew up going there or uh, places around the Big 10 that was the the coolest part is just being like calling games in those arenas just seems surreal, and that was the best. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think that's the best part. Um, what were your favorite arenas uh, once you have the uh, first tour of duty? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, Assembly Hall, I know people have mixed feelings on that one. Like, is it worth, Is it? should it be like a bucket list type deal? For me, it was. Um, it looked exactly like I thought it would on mm-hmm. TV, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I walked in there, I said, this is exactly what I pictured. Because sometimes you go in there, like Nebraska, for example, looked way bigger than I thought it was. Like on TV, it doesn't feel that big. It doesn't look that big. That one looked huge. Kind of like the United Center almost. Um, but like Assembly Hall felt exactly like it should. I liked going to Chrysler because um, I grew up on the Fab Five. And I know that they've renovated it like five times. It's beautiful since now, then. yeah. It's amazing. It yeah. was a dump when yeah. uh, when I first started sixteen years ago. The first few years, we had a good broadcast location. Then now we're kind of up high and in the corner, in but, the which corner. is fine. Yeah. I, we have space. To me, the space is bigger than location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have space, but it was like it, you know. They, it was like five years overdue for even paint, let yeah, alone it's the, what they did now. It's really nice now. Yeah. Well, and I'll say, I mean, we've talked about it. Like, you go around to the other schools in the Big Ten, and you say, this is what Minnesota's competing against, you know? And we'll we'll talk Williams Arena, I'm sure, at some point. It's going to be a deal forever. But it's like, that's it's not even just the, the seating experience, which is better at a lot of places, but just the overall experience of getting in the – because I would do a lap, like, during shoot-around to get our stuff set up. And then I would just kind of walk around and just kind of see – what the fan experience would be like yeah. at some of those places, and it's um, tremendous. I do have one, my other favorite arena um, was uh, Ballroom B at the Atlantis Resort in How the about Bahamas. That? Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> I remember that one in 2012 when we were down there. Yeah, that's great. That's Chandeliers a, hanging yeah, over the court. Long walk to get there. You got to walk through the casino, but if you do it outside when it's 75 degrees, it's yeah. not that bad. I enjoy. It. That was a good uh, first. That was like our second road trip, five days to the Bahamas. So. There's nothing wrong with that road trip. No, that was fine. That was good. So I definitely enjoyed um, being in the ballroom at the Atlantis Resort <laughs> in the Bahamas, and more specifically, leaving the ballroom and going outside for the rest of the day. Well, um, back to Assembly Hall. We're talking about the Indiana Assembly Hall. The Illinois Assembly Hall, of course, is now the State Farm Center. So we're talking in Bloomington. 
Um, I agree. That's my favorite spot as well. And I absolutely think if you're a college basketball fan, and particularly a Big Ten fan, I, I don't even think there's a debate. That has to be a bucket list thing. Is there, Are there people who think that, that that's not a good place? I, it just depends on who, you know, everything is polarizing in 2022. Yeah. So whatever year we're in right now. So, But to me, it was great. And, you know, you have like on the women's side, you know, Melissa Maines, who's the director of operations, who was like exceedingly helpful to me. Because as you know, I have like a ridiculous schedule. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like the... You never know if I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. Just kind of show up, and and so she, but she was awesome in helping me kind of get around and uh, travel on my own a few times. But she had someone with her that trip, a friend that had come in, and they were doing that. When you get there for the first time, their tradition is you got to walk all the way up to the top because sure, it is sure. that slight incline. Slight incline. It's a steep incline, yeah. even in the lower level. And then I took the elevator up to the balcony and went up. And that's what I'll say is you. Because you know those games are packed when they have a big game, right? It's Indiana basketball. And, and weirdly enough, there was a snowstorm in Indiana. <laughs> it was empty for you. We had no fans <laughs> because the, they got like a foot of snow in southern Indiana, which isn't normal. So they had no – like they the whole Bloomington shut down. They told people stay home. And so yeah. we had about maybe 50 people. There were a couple of parents and some students were able to sneak in. Um but when it's packed, like I went way up to the top in the corner, as obstructed as you can get, <laughs> like – but you know the guy, the guy or gal that sits in that seat loves it. Yeah. Like you know, they just can't wait to get up there. And it's not a great seat. It's hard. You're looking straight down. There was some glass in front of where I was sitting, but it was yeah, it was very cool. And just the like Indiana, for example, like the hotel we stayed at, you walk right in, and there's the the uh, the Hickory team with Gene Hackman yeah. and, and the and you know um, Jimmy Chitwood, yeah. just on a big mural. So it's like you can't miss was where you there? are. I didn't see shoot. I was shooter. <laughs> I was the shooter when I got in late. Now, but, when you mean you were shooter because you you had had a few uh, cocktails, yeah, and okay. I stumbled out under the court. Enough. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. nobody was there. You so didn't it, almost get run over in the middle of the street. No. Okay. Not that time. Yeah. No, not that time. So, but yeah, uh, but Bloomington, you can't miss that you're there. Yeah. You can't miss yeah. where you are when you get to Indiana. Yeah, and there's just something about it. You're like me. You're a few years younger than me, but you you um, grow up watching games on TV there, and then you see the five. This is on the men's side, of course. There's some yeah. women's history as well. They made it to the to the championship game of the Big Ten tournament this last weekend. But um, you got the five national title banners, and then just the the, the knowledge of that it was Bob Knight stalking that sideline and just right. the impact he had on the game, right? And and so that part's cool. And the Breslin Center I liked, and again, it's more of a men's thing. I like that uh, the Izzone is great, but Tom Izzo is kind of like the new age Bob Knight where For they sure. impact the game right. and they're stalking the sidelines. And in 20 years, we're going to be talking about, yeah, I was at an arena where Tom Izzo coached, like people talk now about Bob Knight and what have you. So, um, you know, there, there's some cool things along, along those lines. I thought... Um, I'm. I'm. I, the Nebraska Arena is fine. It's new. Yep. Um. It. It is big. It's not quaint. Like. No. Like. I it, thought it was much. Be much smaller. Yeah. It. it I mean, it seats what fifteen or seventeen, yeah. something like that. Yeah. But it seems like it should seat twenty three. Um. I've always thought the Penn State Arena, which was much older, uh, older in relative terms to the Nebraska Arena, um, that thing looks like it should seat fifty. Yeah. It's like a football state. It's a terrible yeah. arena, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of design, I don't know who decided that was going to be good, but um, the, the, the trips are all kind of cool. Did you notice, now you've made the trek around the Big Ten in football, obviously. Did you notice differences in terms of basketball, aside from maybe the weather? Yeah, well, that's uh, it. Yeah. Everywhere you go is gray yeah. and snowy. Yeah. Like, I've never been to State College where there's been sunshine. It, it, it actually was this last oh, time. Oh, snap a picture. Well, man. it was first week. I think I did. It was first weekend <laughs> in March, you know, so or late, late. February it was the 27th yeah. so but I actually walked we stayed kind of 
downtown State College, and I ended up walking to the arena because I'd never really been. We had been to Penn State for football, but I had not. Uh, that was another time where I had to drive in through the mountains in the dark. If you remember, yeah. my phone died. I didn't know where and, I was and going. And weird, the schedule. We've only been there, you and I, once. Yeah. Uh, you know, We're going there this year, yeah, right? Yeah, this year, this coming yeah. fall. Yeah. So I wanted to see the campus. and Because I know people that go to Penn State love it. And I don't. it, it makes no sense to me because it's a yeah. hard place to get to. Oof. And But then you see it, and obviously it's like any college campus. It's cool. There's history. So I walked. It, it was beautiful. But I remember saying to Lynette, like, we got on the bus, and it's like, it's just another gray, snowy day in the Big Ten. You <laughs> ever is. watch like BTN The Journey and they'll like have yeah. like Champaign, Illinois, West Lafayette, Bloomington? It's always like a shot of the town square and it's gray and everybody's yeah. bundled up and it's just like, and it's just plains. <laughs> you know, that's why like to see like some mountains. In Penn State College was kind of interesting. Yeah. Or like when you go to Piscataway. Well, when you fly in there, it's always a rough, uh, it's always a bumpy yeah. landing because you're literally landing. Now, they're not Rocky Mountains, but there's, you know, right. whatever they're called, whatever the, you know, Mount, uh, Nittany Mount or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but you, you're going in between those two valleys. Yeah. And there's always turbulence, but uh, the sun We were smooth this fails, time. Were you? Yeah, yeah, cool. Because nice. I was geared up because you guys yeah. had told me these horror stories. So yeah. I was anxious and it was actually pretty smooth, but it is. It's just. The plane. I mean, it's, it's the Midwest. I mean, it's just the Midwest in winter, and it's like yeah. if you just woke up and said, "Where are you? Look outside." I'd have no idea. Right. You know, like that's what I noticed is like there's no charm to Big Ten country in the winter. And well, we got we got hit with snow in Detroit. We got hit with snow in Bloomington, like yeah. we mentioned, and obviously here it's as cold and as snowy as any place else. So that was what was just funny to me is no matter where we were on the bus, gray skies, plains probably 30-degree temps, and that's just life in the Big Ten. Now, we've been around together on the football trip, so we kind of have you know a few hangouts the night before because that's one of the big things. We talk about it openly. Fellowship. fellowship. Time for some fellowship. Yep. And, um, you know, on football trips, we've got Daryl Thompson and the rest of the crew. And, um, and and so we've got a few spots if we're going someplace we know that's where we're going. Did you uncover any good nuggets that I should know about, any good places uh, while you're out and about? You know, not, not for our purposes. Um, so with the team, with the women's team, like the cool thing is, the nice thing is, it's convenient. Is I get to eat with them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm part of the traveling party. Right. So when they and now I don't just I'm not first in line. Yeah. <laughs> in the food line, right. like you, I'm not beating Sarah you're Scalia out in the hallway. Yeah, waiting, I'm letting yeah. all the players get their stuff, and then when everybody's kind of settled, then I I pop in, and so we it was actually fun because I mean we got to you know sit with the managers and some of the support staff, and they're all 22 years old, and it's fun to like now that I'm at that age, feel to, like, younger, right? You do like you it's energized. just fun to be around yeah. the, that energy and that freshness. Um, but we found what I found was like on the post game, you always you know, the team always gets food from someplace, and there's a lot of like sneaky, really good like pizza places. Yeah, that because we're all we're a steak crew, right? Usually I mean, for football, yeah. we're a steak crew. Very rarely do we branch off of that. We're, no, we're, a nice sit down meal and a nice sit down atmosphere yeah, is what we want. That's what we do, yes. and so. For our purposes, not really. If we needed like a pizza after the game, I've got that on lock. We had a great yeah. pizza place in Des Moines that had some New York style brick oven pizza that was just like off the charts good when we played um, when we played Drake. But um, for our purposes, I mean, I don't think we can improve on what we've yeah, got we have. Yeah, we have a good we have a good thing going. <laughs> that's with a whole podcast for sure. I mean, that, 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 that should be, be one of the go-go for That'll be a go-go for summertime yeah. podcast. We'll get DTN and we'll get some other guys. <laughs> the food in. round table. The food well, round. But we'll actually, tell, I've had a couple people tweet exactly. saying they want that. We'll you take. Know? T- we'll I want to we'll write a. We should write a book. We'll let fans know. know. Everyone from all over the Big Ten would be buying that because if anybody knows either one of us, we know our way around. We, we can eat. Yeah, we, we can we, handle we it. We can eat. Now, yeah. um, the other thing I noticed, uh, and I've noticed this before you even got the job, that on occasion they stop and get ice cream after a win. 
on the road. How is there time? Like, like we're being like my guy Ryan Livingston, uh, the 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 guy for the men. Love him. Does everything. You know, like your 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 like person. Melissa, yeah, yeah. Need, you know, hey, we got here. You got to get to the airport here. Michelle Train does that as well. Uh, lets us know, but. Uh, I mean, they make us feel like if we're if we're not within two seconds of being on the bus, <laughs> we're left behind. Yeah. And I find out you guys are stopping for friggin' ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, and we're nearly, you know, we're 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 almost missing the bus. Typically to the airport. Well, they they build it in. They they build in the time, and typically they kind of have it mapped out before where they're going to go. Uh, we've had we had some interesting ones like in Tempe, Arizona, when they beat Arizona State. That was kind of late night. There wasn't really. And it's only with a win, right? Yeah, you don't get ice cream if you no, lose. No, okay? you win on the road, you get ice cream. So even like a late eight o'clock tip. Yeah. So what will happen in that case is a lot of times you'll go to like a grocery store and someone will run in and, and grab four boxes of ice cream <laughs> a sandwiches. Box of drumsticks. It's it. Yeah, Tempe is we got drumsticks. We got drumsticks <laughs> and we got ice cream sandwiches. And, but there was been there was some controversy about the ice cream this year. Well, Penn State there was it was a major battle on where we were going to go because we thought we should go to the creamery. You know, yeah, the famous sure. Penn State creamery. I walked by it on my walk, and yeah. on the post-game interview, I told Lindsay, I said, I checked on the way. The creamery's open until 9. It's just down the road. We have time. We had a flight deal where our plane wasn't coming in until later, so we actually went and ate at a just a, like a sit-down restaurant. We had, like, reservations because nice. our plane was scheduled to, to leave hours later. And so that's part of it is sometimes our plane – isn't ready to go sure. right away. It's coming in from somewhere else. Um, but the best story about that was they beat Rutgers on the road, the game where Lindsay, one of the games Lindsay missed because of her uh, appendectomy. Yeah. And so Carly Thibault Dudanis is the assistant uh, associate head coach. She filled in. And they beat Rutgers. Caddy Sissoko has 11 points in the fourth quarter. Great. And they, they kind of needed a win at that point. And Lindsay's not there, so there's all of that going on too. Yep. And I said in the post game, like, we're looking forward to the ice cream. That's kind of the bit. And Carly, Coach Carly said, well, got some bad weather coming in. Like, we're actually, we're probably going to skip the ice cream so we can get back. Said, okay, no problem. So then, of course, we get to the airport and the plane's not there. Plane's been delayed. It was January. So weather was bad everywhere. So our plane, so we ended up sitting outside of where the plane was going to be mm -hmm. for like 90 minutes. And the players are yelling in the back, like, there's a McDonald's down the road. And <laughs> and Lynette looked at me, turned over, and she said, I think we could have got the ice cream. <laughs> so Lynette, that became awesome. that became our, like, line, like, yeah. every week. You know, like how we have lines yeah. on the football crew. Like, every once in a while, I would just pull it, turn over and say, I think we could have gotten the, the ice, ice cream. cream. So, yeah, that's we got so we got to do that a couple of times. We ended up going to, um, I think, kind of a chain ice cream place in Penn State. But I voted for the Creamery. Of course. But it was already kind of predetermined where they were going. They kind of had their spots. So I'm the play-by-play -play guy. I don't really have a vote. And that was the funny thing. Because someone was like, well, J.G. said the creamery, and then I became like, I had to advocate for it. I said, I'm not on the team. You're the lobbyist Yeah, here. like, I just you guys go wherever you want to go. I'm just happy to have a spot on yeah. the bus. See, that's the difference between you and me. I would have been. You would have given your I opinion. Been, I'd have been. Uh, but I'm, you've been I'm here not, 15 years. I'm not shy. I, you're I'm one, year I, one. I, I wasn't, I'm, I, as you know, I'm not that shy. If I get to know you, I'm not shy about sharing an opinion. That's true. You know, but, first time I meet you, I might hold back. But yeah. after a while. You're one. I thought it'd be better if I, just if to, I slow rolled in. That, and that's a smart I'm not going to create division on the Team. You should have just stomped your fist down. <laughs> it's the creamery. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah, on. It's the creamery, but um, anyway. We got stuck in Rutgers one time, too, with the men's team probably six or seven years ago. The same deal. The plane uh, couldn't or was delayed somewhere, a mechanical issue or something. And I won't mention the engineer. It was not Dan Robotham. It was another engineer. We were at Buffalo Wild Wings for, I'm going to say, five hours. Yeah. 
uh, we might have had to help the engineer onto the flight almost. I mean, it was it was uh, it was it was a, it was a uh, fun fun afternoon of uh, of Buffalo yeah. Wild Wings. Yeah, we had that in Lincoln. We yeah. had that in Lincoln because our our plane was scheduled to leave a few hours, and you know Lincoln like. Um, it's a beautiful little Haymarket downtown yeah. area right by the arena. And, and there were definitely the team, you know, we had our, our team meal, but then there were some uh, excursions yeah. by some of the older members of the traveling party. There were some excursions <laughs> before we got on the plane. Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah smoke sure. them if you got them. Well, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. May, like you said, you broke a little news. Maybe there'll be uh, more yet here to play for. Um, as I, I, I may have been premature in calling the season over. So uh, we'll, we'll continue with, with uh, that maybe next week. But in terms of the season for our discussion, Yep. For all intents and purposes, we'll say the regular season in the Big Ten tournament yeah. we know is over. Um, what was your assessment of kind of where this team is right now um, and, and how the season unfolded? I think the Northwestern game to end the Big Ten tournament was a perfect illustration of the season as a whole. Kind of a microcosm? I, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, we've just seen that. We saw that game a lot and where they play really, really well. They're right in it in the end. And leading then, late. Yeah, and, and I could go down the list. Leading on the road in the second half against Michigan. Leading late against Indiana on the road, who, like you say, is really good. Yeah. Michigan, um, too. <laughs> Michigan is a top-10 team. Tied against Iowa at Carver-Hawkeye going into the fourth quarter. Um, you go all the way back. Nebraska. First Big Ten game, leading by four, fourth quarter. North Carolina. i seen the movie on my side of things, too. Well, that's it. Times, but yes. so it was just like you just felt like they were always like right there and yeah. then – and obviously, they finished some games too, right? I mean, you know, um, I'm thinking about uh, you know beating Wisconsin when they needed to, you know, because Wisconsin got better as the year went on. But that was a game they had to win. They made plays in the fourth quarter to do it. Michigan Penn, State, Michigan yeah. State. That was a big one because that was another game on the road in East Lansing where they they're they're up 73, 72, whatever. Well, they're they're up in the fourth quarter, and it's just one of those close games. And so they were just yeah, the men can empathize a little bit, mm-hmm. I think. And so it was just like, but this goes all the way back to, you know, December basically, where they just they had opportunities against really good teams. Their schedule, because of COVID, you know, they had the Bahamas trip, which you know they played UConn, Syracuse, and Oklahoma, two of the three really good. Obviously, UConn Paige Beckers was still playing there. They had a road trip to Tempe, who historically Arizona State has been pretty good, and then they had Drake. To, they had to return all these games that Oof. were banged in the last year, so. That it was unfortunate there, and that they they weren't able to really get into any kind of rhythm early, and that I think it was always like two steps forward, one step back, however you want to say it. But um, that was now the last month once Jasmine Powell left the team, it it felt like a completely different team, just attitudinally, um, just the vibe around the crew, um, just how people, other people, kind of got to move into different roles and kind of be themselves. It, that's why I, they want to keep playing. I, yeah. Frankly, a lot of people say, why would they want to continue to play? Because I think they've enjoyed the last month. I don't think they necessarily enjoyed the first couple months. I think it was stressful. I think there was clearly a player left the team. There was stuff going on behind the scenes there. So uh, I think they want to keep playing. Um, but the Northwestern game to me was a perfect microcosm of a team, a, a, a game against a good team who's beaten Iowa once, um, who was kind of on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. You're right there. You're in position to do it. And it's like a bad 90 seconds, and all of a sudden the yeah. game's over. Like, that's at the Big Ten level, that's you can't have a bad 90 seconds against teams that are better and, t- and teams that are going to the tournament and things like that. So, I'm, you know, the stories, I mean, Sarah Scalia is unbelievable. I mean, what she had to do, I would say kind of like Peyton Willis on the men's side, like all the different things they asked. Sure. And Sarah's not a natural point guard. But she, nor is Willis, right? Exactly. Same, yeah. So, they, but she kind of just, once Jasmine left the team, like, 
hey, you're going to play point. We're still going to get you your shots. You're going to have to play good defense. We need you to rebound too. And like, there was only a few times where I could feel like it was wearing on her that she had to do that. Other than that, I mean, averaged 20 points a game the last month of the season, shot shoot. like 50% Oof. from three, like had some amazing quarters where you're just like, I mean, I, it was, Penn State, for example, I couldn't believe when the, like other teams just let her shoot. It's like, yeah. how does that happen? And so that looking forward to next year, and if Caddy Sissoko can kind of continue what she did the last couple of months and then this recruiting class, like they should be kind of in the mix for what we thought they would be in for this year. I mean, that's the hope kind of middle of the pack Big 10 team that that's sneaking around the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you mentioned that. So they finish what 14 and 17 was that the final mark yes. I think. Um, yes. for, and again, maybe another game or more to play. Um and they lose a lot. Um yeah. but you mentioned they've got um you know, they've got some stuff coming back. And now tell me a little bit about this recruiting class. I know it's a right now what top 15 in the country. Yeah, I mean, some people had it as high as 7. Um Consistently, I've seen it around 10, mm-hmm. but you look at the the four kids, they're all ranked like top 60 in the country. And all from Minnesota. All from Minnesota. You know, you've got Chaska, you've got Eden Prairie, you've got Hopkins, you've got Wyzetta, you know, so big programs. And that's what, and, and my sister, unfortunately for her, has had to coach against all these girls. She's the head coach. At Edina. At Edina. So she knows all of them. So I, I obviously asked her about, say, tell me about all these players. And I mean, she loves all of them. You know, she called Mara Braun the, her, maybe her favorite player that she's ever ever coached against, mm-hmm. just a player that gets it, a player that can do everything, a great teammate. And that's what um, I think what what Lindsey hit on this last year recruiting-wise. And again, I, I even said it post-game against Northwestern. They're freshmen, so we got to chill a little bit because yeah. you don't know. You know, Two of them might come in and start right away, like Nebraska's got two starters from Nebraska that are just lighting the world on fire right now, and that's why they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. Um, so that could happen, and even being in Lincoln, it was cool to see all of those um, like little girls that are like five, six, seven, eight, nine—they're all wearing the Alexis Murkowski number forty jersey because she's from Lincoln, and that—that that does matter. Um, maybe even more so on the girls' side than on the men's side. I don't know, but um, so that's what they're hoping that they hit on. I think that's what Mark Coyle's hoping Ben Johnson hits on. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. This was year four of Lindsay. Her, her, you know, when, when she was able to recruit these players since they were freshmen, basically. I think even eighth grade. And you see that the, those relationships and, and, and staying on them for four years and getting them all to commit, like, that's the idea. That's the idea here because the talent on the girls' side is almost every bit as good as the boys' side here in the state of Minnesota with some great players. We see that at a national level now. So I'm excited to see how they fit in. I, I, I do worry a little bit how much is being put into them right. because they're kind of being hailed as, like, the saving grace class that – this team has you know, been kind of middle of the pack, and now these four are going to come in and change everything. I don't think that means they're going to come in and it's going to be like the Fab Five in 1992 and they're going to go to a Final Four, but I think it was a good sign and, and certainly gave them some momentum and something to look forward to when things this season were kind of going back and forth. And when, when you look at it from that standpoint, I think as Ben Johnson will do here this offseason, you add the local talent, you might add another high schooler, who knows. But the transfer portal's got to be a factor, I would oh, think, no right? Oh, no question. Well, I know this week they're already on, on Zooms with transfer portal. <laughs> because, yeah, they're losing Godiva Hubbard, who's been here forever. They're losing Bailey Helgren, who is a grad transfer, a local kid from Edina. Played huge minutes for him all year. Deja Winters was honorable mention all Big Ten. They're losing her. Um, they're losing LBK, Laura Bagwell Katalinich, who was who trans who had a good line on senior day. It was her third senior night. She had a senior Crazy. night in Cornell, <laughs> senior night somewhere else, and then a senior night in Minnesota. So she said, I know how long these can get. This is my third one. So just basically thanks everybody who rode the boat, Sky Umago Gophers. 
Um, so they're yeah they're losing some big contributors, not unlike the men. And but they will be yeah they're definitely in the market for a post player. They're definitely in the market for another guard. And so I'd say at least two, maybe three uh, transfers to then go in with the the returners and the freshmen. Well, it, it should be fun. Um, and looking ahead to next year, Michigan loses a lot, right? Yep. Indiana loses a lot. Yep. Iowa has Clark back. That's I mean, she's really Sinano. good, isn't she? Right, Sonano Sonano from Watertown, yep. here, right? Sonano but how, how, um, I know that it's one of those weird things because if you, if she's not playing for you, she's an annoying player to watch. Clark. Yes, yes. But it, you also, if you can remove emotion for a minute, what a what a treat to watch her play. Yeah, it's um, yes, both of those things are right? true. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's been interesting though is the last couple of weeks, like. Because Iowa's, there's a lot going on with Iowa. There's a lot of flailing. There's a lot of histrionics. The head coach is, you know, all over the place now. Just being around a lot of the Big Ten programs in Indianapolis last week, it's starting to wear people. It's starting to annoy people. Um, But I've also seen it, like, um, you know, even just publicly, like, wow, Iowa's getting a lot of these calls. And, wow, Clark just traveled there. And it's like, you stay too long, you become a villain. But it's weird because Iowa thinks that she gets no calls. Of course. You know? Yeah, of course. It's a bizarre thing. Yeah, so, but yes. She had, what, 41 in the semis? Yeah, that is the the inner struggle is, because obviously Clark, and you want to talk about beloved, I mean. And that's the cool thing that I've noticed. And that's a kid that stayed home, could have probably gone anywhere, right? Exactly right. And so that's the, the cool thing at a lot of these places is after the game in the tunnel, Williams Arena included, Sarah Scalia, after they, they talked to the team, is right back up on the floor. There's a group right there waiting to pictures, autographs. Yeah. Nebraska, same thing. Iowa, same thing. That's the cool part is that it, they really – and I don't – like because a lot of times after the game I'm not around a basketball game. So this might have been going on forever. Might go on on the men's side. I don't know. But to see all those people wait and the players know, I mean, there, there really is a reach back down type aspect to it. But, yeah, the Clark – Conflict is interesting because she's so good for the women's game. Helped, you know, elevated again last year when they played UConn. And yeah. in the next couple of years, it's Beckers versus Clark. Um, so there's that. But yeah, Iowa's going to be right in the mix. You know, Maryland's going to be really good. Yeah, Nas Hillman leaving is, is helpful for a lot of people. We'll see what happens to Michigan because I was surprised historically they have not been very good. Not. And Nas Hillman shows up and, and all of a sudden they're a top 10 team. But yeah, it was um, a ton of fun, ton of fun to watch all these players. And kind of see how all the different programs do it, and now Lindsay's got to kind of keep it moving. Yeah, Michigan's had that interesting history. They got um, I forget her name uh, from uh, Southwest back in the old Southwest Missouri State days. She was their head coach for a minute. Then the dude from Green Bay who lost his mind on that one post game. Yes, he was the head coach yeah. and slammed his fist. So they they've been through a a couple of coaches that were really good at their other stops and just yeah. couldn't quite get over the hump. So it's. It's interesting that this is the one that was able to uh, to get him there. So well, and you got Indiana, who had you know, it, it's just like you know the experience writing down. You know, you write down how many starts each player yeah. had. I mean, they had like four players that had over a right. hundred starts. You know, well, that's why they're good, and they're all here. And with COVID, a lot of them got to come back and everything like that. So, but also you saw the pressure on that team because they knew that they were all coming back for a very specific reason, and I think that kind of hurt them down the stretch because they they ended up making it the Big Ten finals, but they. They struggled down the stretch because I think they felt the weight of, well, shoot, we all came back for this right. and now we don't have it. But, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's You know, it's a great league, great arenas, great coaches, 
and uh, it's fun to watch the uh, the women's side of it. Yeah, and and no matter what happens, there's I mean there really are. We're not just saying it, there's there's good people at the University of Minnesota that help make what we do yeah. uh, smoother. So that's kind of a fun part of it too. And Lynette, uh, you know, you 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 uh, kept uh, you know Lynette didn't uh, kick you out. She she uh, she was no. she she had to put up with you for the season. She and did. Felt like a, yes, you know. I mean, because I talked to her a couple times. She yeah, was on the verge of saying, "Hey, yeah. you gotta." You know, I, I you know I don't know who decided to put guard in that spot. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, you guys. She's she's like a sweetheart. So you guys uh, hit it off, and it, it was, was a great. good team. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was. Um, I told her very early. I said, "This is like the airport. If you see something, say something." Because you know she had worked with Corbu for 15 years. Right. I mean, and she had gotten used to that. And she's done it for 21. And you know Corbu, like he's got his way, and you know there's he's a pro, like. He knows how to do everything. He knew everybody, like, and he was amazingly helpful, like, from day one right. when I took over for him and he went to St. Thomas and, like, couldn't have done any of it without him. You know, just here's who you need to know here. Here's what this. Here's your broadcast spot. They like this. They don't like this. Blah, blah, blah. Like, unbelievable. I basically had a cheat sheet. But, yeah, early on, like, Lynette was definitely asking a lot of questions <laughs> to kind of make sure I knew what I was doing. Yeah. But I told her to. I said, look, because there will be times I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we do. Like if you did it a certain way and you want to keep doing it, I'm fine with that. But yeah, by the end of it, we really, we really had a lot of fun. And um, nobody loves go for basketball more than her. I like think nobody loves go for basketball more than she does. She wants them to do well, um, and she's proud to be part of it. She's proud to to be on the inside of it. She's proud of the kids. Loves the coaches, and so yeah, it was a, a ton of fun working with her. I think we could have got the ice cream. We could have gotten the ice cream. You know? It's the best. <laughs> it's favorite line of the year. All right. Well, so next year should be fun. Next week might be fun. You might have a few more games. Yeah, exactly right. Let's hope so. All right. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. My thanks to Justin Gard for giving us the breakdown on Gopher Women's Hoops. When we come back, we'll talk University of Minnesota Golden Gopher Wrestling with head coach Brandon Agum on the Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm. Hey, Gopher fans, this is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are super excited to be part of the new Mike Grimm show on Talk North. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North and the Mike Grimm show. We are really excited again that Mike came on board with Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763-421-4900. Or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Roll the boat, Sky Uma, go Gophers. Welcome back. It's the Go Gopher Podcast, episode number 10. Let's talk some wrestling. Here's my conversation with Gopher head coach, Brandon Agum. I guess, first of all, uh, coach, uh, eight into the NCAA tournament. You got to feel pretty good about uh, about that. Yeah, our guys competed great this weekend. Um, we got eight already qualified. Um, I think there's a really good shot that you could get a guy like Bailey O'Reilly um, in with a wild card spot as well. So um, it was a great weekend overall. Yeah, what about the Big Tens? Um, you know, you mentioned uh, that it was a good weekend. You got eight in uh, up to this point. It looked like your guys maybe over-wrestled their seed a little bit. Did you did you come out of it feeling pretty good about your group? Yeah, going into it, um, we were in some really rough spots, and I thought our guys battled well to get out of that. Um, yeah, everybody basically wrestled above their seed, you know, minus maybe a Gable Stevenson who was already seated number one. Everybody wrestled above it. Um, Bailey O'Reilly... Um, would be our lone guy, but that was just based on injury um, when we pulled him out of that. Uh, so it was it was impressive. I think we had 12 wins over guys that were seated above us. 
only three times um, did we, two or three times in the entire tournament, did we lose to a guy that was um, seated below us. But uh, um, it was a, a great weekend. So guys scored a lot of bonus points. They kept, continued to battle. We beat a lot of guys that we lost to earlier in the season in dual meets. Um, so um, super impressed. Were you surprised with uh, with what Michigan did over the weekend to take the team title? Yeah, they. Uh, I don't know if I was super. If I was surprised, I knew they'd be in the hunt. There, they have a great team. Uh, they had a lot of uh, super seniors on that team. I know they picked up, uh, as everyone knows, they picked up the number one guy at one twenty five, Seriano. So they added a few other guys, uh, Brucky at one ninety seven, and and uh, I think just looking at the team that was put together. They were they were a team that everybody had to respect, and so um, they got it done this weekend. It was um, some great battles, and I thought they did a really good job coaching on their end as well. And usually, if you're a team that wins the Big Ten, that means you have a shot for the national title. Is Michigan a contender for that? I would think now as well, potentially in Detroit, in their home area. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're one of the teams that are in the hunt. There, um, um, it was a, a battle. You know, you had. Um, Iowa um, had a number of their guys, half their team almost didn't finish. And it's a, you know, a testament to the Big Ten Championship in some ways, but it is a grind. And so getting through that, um, that tournament is tough. And so you see a lot of guys getting dinged up. Um, you get to wrestle the best competition in the country, prepares you. The guys that come through it, I know, are more prepared to the NCAA tournament than any of these other conferences. Um, but um, you could see that play a role. So things are getting shaken up here at the NCAA tournament. A lot of it um, will just rely on guys coming out. And again, wh- whichever program comes out on top, it's going to be guys that wrestle above their seats. <clears throat> and so you're going to see a lot of guys that are ranked maybe lower in the Big Ten. But for a guy like myself, I'd rather wrestle a guy that maybe wins a comp- one of the conference champs from an- another conference than compete against a guy that was fourth, fifth, or sixth in the Big Ten. That just uh, shows the strength of our our conference. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it would be hard. Is, is there a team, not a Big Ten team, that, that might be contending to, to take home the title trophy in, in the Motor City? Uh, no, there. it's going to go, it's going to be given to a Big Ten team. Uh, that's the way it, it typically falls. And I would say uh, very, very confident. There's uh, there's other teams that will be battling to try to get in for that fourth or fifth place spot. I would imagine somewhere in that range. Um, but um, I don't see another team being able to contend with the Big Ten, Big Ten teams. Okay, how about the Golden Gophers? Uh, we mentioned eight, maybe a ninth. Um, what are what are your goals uh, as a, as a head coach for your team heading into that national championship meet? It's just to wrestle their very best matches. We talk all the time to these guys. Like obviously, winning is super important to us um, as a as a coaching staff. We you know that's something that we um, think about a lot. But the most important thing for these guys is to continue to wrestle their best matches and that's go out and and it's about performance, not about winning, but about performance. And that's what we did this weekend. We focused a lot about on that, that thought process leading into the big tens. And we want that same process going to the NCAA championships. We want guys to to go out, compete, beat individuals that on paper, they're not expected to beat. continue to wrestle for the full seven minutes and, and think about scoring points versus winning the whole time. And uh, that will get the job done. So you know, our goal is to, to go out and compete. We're in a, you know, it, it, it was some bad luck, you know, with a guy like Bailey getting injured, he's wrestled extremely well this season for us. We're hoping that he'll come back and be ready for the NCAA championships. Um, I think he'll get that bid. Like I talked about, but we'll, that'll um, be seen here in the near uh, couple of days. Um, Brayden Lee, um, who was a guy that was a title contender losing him in the last duel of the season. 
Um, it's hard to re- you can't replace a guy like him and his points. So it does affect uh, um, the team in a sense. But the other individuals um, need to go out and do the things they can to put ourselves in a spot to compete and contend. Uh, we'd love to see these guys get to a spot within the top ten in the country again. You know, even without maybe a couple of those leaders. Um, all these guys are coming back for next year, which would be super exciting. Um, we have some guys in the room right now that are contending and beating some of the top ranked guys in the country. So I do think the future is awesome. Next year is going to be a big year for us. Um, so this year is going to be important. Guys need to go out and compete, do really well, and and uh, maybe exceed the expectations that others have put on them. And I, I know we're capable of doing that. So. Yeah, and you mentioned a look ahead to next year, and I'll get to that here in a moment. But I do want to talk about uh, Gable Stevenson, of course, uh, the headliner, not just for the Golden Gophers, but he's the headliner you know, in the country, uh, a guy that's now won three straight Big Ten titles, going for his third straight uh, national championship. And, and uh, you know, hey, let's throw in a gold medal in between and one of the most exciting matches in the history of the sport. Um, you know, before we talk specifics with him, I want to ask just generally what he's meant uh, to the program this year, especially coming off of that August, uh, July and August period, where he, you know, became in, in a lot of sports circles a household name. Um, when you went around to different places, not just the home meets at the Pavilion at the Maturi Pavilion, but also some of those road meets. Uh, what, what what was that like this year uh, with with Gable on the road show, so to speak? It was um, it was crazy to see, like as we go into some of these places, Iowa and, and Michigan, you know, and, and uh, some of these you know other great programs. Their fans, the excitement around Gable Stevenson was was um, received very well by these other programs. I mean, there was a line after every duel of all their fans, and they're waiting to get the autograph from from our, our Gopher heavyweight. So it's pretty amazing. Um, he just brought a lot of obviously wonderful momentum, like with uh, the Olympics and coming back. Um, recruits across the country are talking about it. They could see that you have the ability to come to the University of Minnesota and be the best not only in the country here, but the best in the world. And, and uh, he's given us that uh, ability to recruit on that. That's pretty amazing. Um, but on top of that, he's just a guy that's been leading off the mat as well. He's great in the locker room. He's great um, after practice. Talking to the guys about the belief that he has and the things that have helped him get there. Obviously, it's, it's um, the hard work that he's put in, but it's beyond that. There's also a belief and a confidence that if you don't have those things mentally, um, it's hard to win. And in the postseason right now, we talk about it all the time, it's more about what's going on upstairs in your mind than anything else. And so he's been a great leader, so he's done a great job. Yeah, and it's been obviously fun to watch. I think um, when I looked at this stat, he has outscored his opponents like 200 and what, 2 to 20 or something along those lines. And of the points he's given up, all but one have been through an escape oftentimes on purpose so he can go back in and get a takedown. And the other point that wasn't an escape was the, was the penalty marker he got uh, up against Michigan in that, uh, in that uh, I, you know, uh, I think it's been termed a rivalry. I think uh, Gable said, eh, it's not a rivalry, right? Because uh, he's, he's had the upper hand in that one, including uh, in the semis this past weekend, um, which I want to ask about a specific move with that first. But um, getting back to the general uh, sense, um, you think about what he got down in Iowa City at Carver Hawkeye, it was, uh, first of all, they draw pretty well normally anyway, but you can't tell me there weren't people there that said, oh, Gable's in town, we're going to go buy a ticket to that to that meet, and we're going to wear black and gold, but at the end of uh, watching our heavyweight, talking from an Iowa perspective, uh, get handled, 
they give the Golden Gopher a standing ovation, uh, which is amazing. I don't know if that's happened ever in, in the history of the sport, to, to have that kind of a reception after uh, Iowa's heavyweight gets, gets uh, pummeled the way he did that particular night. Yeah, wrestling fans in general, I mean, they're diehards. They're going to support their team regardless of what um, school we're talking about. And Iowa's uh, no different. They're amazing fans. They support their guys. But in general, wrestling people love wrestling. And so it's really cool to see the respect that that they give. And so you're going to be competitive. You're going to be there to support your your team and cheer them on. But afterwards, um, it's one thing that you see all the time. Like I could be sitting across the table from another coach and they're super heated and passionate during the duel. Everybody wants to win. But when you get a chance to sit down with these guys, 99% of them are just amazing people. Um, the athletes, the coaches, just across the board, just amazing people. And they love wrestling. That's the one thing that we all have. And at the end of the day, in wrestling, there's also the the next level, which is the, you know, making the world team, the Olympic team. And so fans are fans. They want to see the U.S. do amazing things. And Gable's been a big part of that, obviously. And and they have respect for him. And so you saw it after that Iowa duel was pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, Gable's received that type of, um, you know, reception from everywhere we've went across the country right now. So it's really cool. Yeah. And not, I think obviously not just because of how good he is and how dominant he's been, but um, and maybe even more so this year now coming off the gold. But uh, it seems to me, watching from afar mostly, that he is act- he's taken that next step too in, in helping build the sport. And you mentioned it. He's standing uh, even before he wrestles, he'll sign autographs and take pictures and selfies. And that's become such a big deal with young people now uh, to snap a selfie with somebody and Gable Steveson is obviously somebody and man Twitter uh, on a Friday night with a dual meet is uh, my timeline is full of, of fans from other teams getting pictures with Gable Steveson in the tunnel or down across the mat so it becomes a two-way street part of that ovation I think had to be because of of how Gable's handled the promotion of the sport right yeah he's always there especially for the kids you know when you mentioned that that's something I've always noticed even when he's young like he, he's always going to spend the time to sign autographs and spend time with them and talk to kids and take pictures. And I'm really impressed with that. And uh, I'm thankful, you know, when I see an individual like him that has a line of people that are waiting to see him and talk to him that he's, he never lets a kid down. He, he always wants to take the time. And he remembers when he was that individual and he was trying to win a, a title and, and uh, maybe it was just a state title for him, but he was looking up to college guys and world guys and he could see that, um, now he's in that spot, so he wants to be that type of mentor. Yeah, I remember. We have the music on. Uh, yeah, you're you're uh, you're by your uh, practice session. We 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 got some uh, some nice music background. It's fine. It's good. It'll offer a little ambiance here for okay, our. Uh, I for can our... Tell him to turn it down. No, no, no. No, we don't want to interrupt practice. You keep those guys rocking and rolling there, and we can uh, we'll enjoy the uh, little, little background music. Um, I was out there the night he got back from uh, fr- from the Olympics at the airport, and there were I don't know several hundred people at what almost midnight waiting. And man, he just stayed and he stayed and he stayed and he kept taking pictures. And then um, just by happenstance, you know, he's headed back to Apple Valley. I live in Lakeville, so I'm I'm just driving on my own, and all of a sudden there's fire trucks and there's American flags hanging at midnight, and um, and it was it, that was a cool scene too but uh, that that's the kind of thing that uh, people feel uh, comfortable and he's engaged uh, with that and it's just it's just been uh, remarkable to watch yeah the the support that he's received from the state of minnesota and the university here has been a, it's just been wonderful um and very well deserved i mean he is a guy that um, loves to to go out and compete and entertain and you know he's young right now so we're, we're hoping that he'll continue to maybe have a chance to wrestle at another Olympics here down the road and some of those things. But 
I know that one of the things that he and drives a guy like him is to feel um, the support from the fans. Like in duels, he's talked about that back in the tunnel. I could tell on senior night was emotional night for him. He was ready to compete. He was excited, but he talked about it before and after the duel, man, it was awesome to be out there in front of people that love him. And he feel and he felt supported by him in the years that he's competed for the university year. I know he's felt that love. So that's something we, I just want to thank everybody that's been there for him and for our program. Um, it's meant a lot to everyone. So, so thank you. Yeah, just just such an amazing athlete to watch. You think about going through a whole season and not allowing a point scored against you in terms of an offensive manner that wasn't something that was, uh, you know, an escape or, as we mentioned, the penalty point. It was close in the semis, right? Paris almost got him on a takedown. I think he had a single leg maybe. And the move he made, I don't know if that was if, – if you teach that, if that's a move to teach or if that's a homemade, hey, I'm not getting a point scored on me. But uh, it almost looked like a reversal – but obviously the Michigan guy didn't have control. But what an amazing move that was, just in and of itself, to think a heavyweight to pull that off. Yeah, I, I've seen him do that in the room before, that same type of uh, position where he comes up over the top and kind of um, gets the reversal there. So he just scrambled. He just uh, – more than anything, he's really um, – I don't think it's something specific that he's working on. He just continues to wrestle through positions. He's really athletic and – and he was in a moment where he could do something pretty cool. I was on the other side. I couldn't see exactly what happened, but I could see his head kind of peek up and look around. So I whispered to Trevor, well, he's doing something there. I don't know what's going on, but heard the crowd kind of laugh. And then, and then he goes back later. I saw the face that he made yeah. after scoring the takedown and it was, it was uh, comical, I guess. But yeah, yeah. If, if people haven't, yeah, if people haven't seen it, uh, they need to go look it up because it, it's worth, uh, particularly if you're a wrestling fan, it's worth seeing. And you know, there's something to be said for a guy who's so skilled. I mean, he could have given up the takedown there. He knew he was going to win that match, you know, and and maybe get an escape of his own for the first time all year. But I think there, not only is he dominant, he was. I don't know if desperate's the right word, but. There's still that form of like, uh, uh-uh, you're not going to score on me, and he and a, I don't like I said, I don't think desperate's the right word. I don't know what word it is right, but there's still that that drive there, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, and I don't think people are given, uh, you know, maybe don't even realize. You see a guy like Gable just dominating, and they're talking about that. But Paris is a world champ, right? You know, he right, is an amazing wrestler, and you got. You know, Kirk Fleet from Penn State is a world champ. You have Cassiope from Iowa, world champ. And there's a world champ heavyweight at ASU as well. And so this weight class isn't like he's um, just going out. People are talking about, wow, look how dominant this wrestler is. He's um, the most dominant wrestler and the most dominant weight um, in the country right now in the, in, at the NCAA levels. Pretty amazing when you look at the depth there. So um, that's just kind of uh, obviously – bragging rights for a guy like Gable with what he's doing, but it's also respect that needs to be given to these other guys because these guys are some of the the best in the world. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at guys that all would have on years that Gable Steveson wasn't around have a chance to win a national title, and um, and he's just he's just dominating them all. And and wrestling uh, that that's one of the unique things. It's a, you know it's obviously a team sport from a score perspective, but when you get that one on one matchup, uh, I mean that's a, that's a pretty remarkable thing that he's doing against a really good group of heavyweights. 
Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, okay, so he didn't get to wrestle in the championship, so it was a little anticlimactic there uh, in terms of uh, not getting a chance to take on Cassiope. I think that's how you pronounce it, dude from Iowa. Um, what, what, what was going on there? I know it was a medical forfeit. Was that was he banged up in the semifinals where he had that, that late win against, was that a guy from Penn State maybe? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I didn't see him get um, injured in the match or anything that I recognized that would have pulled him from it. Um, he might've been, I saw you, I think he had his knee taped up before the tournament. So maybe something happened earlier. And, you know, in some ways it's just like, you can't go out against a guy like Gable, probably if you're, um, if you have any, you know, if you're sore and I think there might be more to it. I mean, Cassiope is extremely tough kid. And um, I know that guy's ready to go out and compete at any time. No doubt about it. But um, a week away, they're probably hoping that they have a sh- shot at being on the other side of the bracket, making it to the finals, and they're going to compete against this beast another time. It's not easy to wrestle them in the duel, to wrestle them at the Big Ten Championships. Uh, the match doesn't go your way, and then you try to get, come out a week later and compete against. There's a lot of mind games that go on in the sport of wrestling, and I imagine in that sense that they just said, unfortunately, there's uh, nothing for us to gain in this match and to come back a week later, not only just against Gable, but just to have him compete at the NCAA tournament, be at um, his um, full strength and, and have a good tournament. That's probably what they're thinking for their athlete. And in a sense, um, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm just reading into it, but that'd be, that'd be the only thing I could think just with your question that you're asking me is, that's probably the way they looked at it. Yeah, it could have been maybe a strategic thing to try because they probably feel they have a chance to win the team title if they get as many points from that spot as they can, whether it's a you know second place or third or what have you. And if if uh, he could even get hurt, right, if he's not totally healthy, so maybe there was some strategy involved there, looking ahead to particularly once it looked like Michigan had the title, right, the team title in the Big Ten at least part wrapped up. Anyway, um, interesting, yeah. interesting. It was it was unfortunate that we didn't get to watch Gable one more time because it's such a treat to watch him to uh, you know to win in, a, in an actual bout in the championship uh, weights. But um, it is what it is. All right, so it's uh, off to Detroit for uh, it'll be a week from this weekend for the uh, national championship. And we have been talking about Gable Steveson. So, and you mentioned uh, the reaction uh, that that he has created from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, kind of take us through as we're approaching that time now, where once you get through next weekend, uh, you know, it's all of a sudden the off season. And and how are things looking? Uh, you hinted a little bit about what you had in the room for next year. Uh, can you give us a, an idea of also what's not in the room that will be added to the room, maybe, and maybe uh, how that off season looks? Yeah, so um, off-season for us, um, after the NCAA championships, obviously the guys that competed there will get a little break for a couple of weeks. Um, but the majority of the team, some of the guys that are that are in the room battling right now, we're going to have those guys continue to train. We get into our freestyle season. Guys will go to the U.S. Open. Some of the guys compete in some other national events where they're going to try to make some world teams and continue to just battle. And uh, we train. I mean, wrestling's uh, 12 months out of the year. There's a uh, small periods where we take little breaks. We give guys some time off the mat. They're continuing to obviously get better, whether it's in the weight room or, or conditioning or doing some of those things. But for the most part, we're wrestling 12 months all the year, whether we're doing camps, um, whether we're doing training cycles throughout the summer. But um, spring's going to be busy. We'll have guys wrestling freestyle, Greco, doing some of those things, trying to make some of those uh, world teams, and then um, getting ready for next year. It comes around quick. We got young guys in the room right now that are battling with our starters and and they're out there competing 
to uh, make the guys that are in the lineup right now better, but they're also going to be competing for that spot. So I see more depth um, than we've had in a long time. And so um, I'm really excited about uh, um, obviously about next week, the national tournament, our guys going out and battling and getting better and hopefully having some guys do some things they're not expected on paper, but next uh, year in the future are looking really good the way our guys are competing. And so that's kind of the, the summer we're going to continue to grind and get better and, and improve. And, um, and we're hoping that some of these guys will make these world teams and maybe get a shot to, to compete this summer as well uh, in freestyle. How about a quick update too on the recruiting class you currently have locked in and will there still be some work this uh, spring and summer to add to what potentially could be the roster next fall or are you locked in there? Yeah. Um, you know, there, right now we have the guys that um, there's, there's roster caps. So you got to be always be careful on how many guys that you can bring in to the program. So we're always tight on our numbers, but we're locked in right now with some, some great guys that are coming in right here from a recruiting standpoint. Um, we got some top um, recruits that are verbal in the country as seniors and some that are juniors as well. And so I know a lot of that, just talking about momentum with what Gable did, it was a great recruiting class. Um, would it number guys just win state titles here in the state at the, the high school state championships this past weekend that are going to be gophers for us um, that we're excited about. And, the nice thing with um, our sport, we have what we call the RTC, where it uh, allows our senior level guys that want to make world teams and uh, Olympic teams compete, but it also allows the best high school kids in the state within a, a mile range of, I think, about 250 miles that can come in and compete in our room with uh, these guys. And so we get to work with the best high school kids in the state in that range. And they get to come in, they get to work with our coaching staff. We get to develop them. We get to obviously build relationships with them. And they also get to compete with the best guys in the world and the best guys in the country. And so you got some of these guys that get to come in and wrestle with Gable Steveson and, and the Braden Lees and Patrick McKees and all these young guys as well. And so we're, we're going to continue the battle there. But uh, the recruiting class right now is looking great. I'm not going to dive into too many of these guys that I'm you know, not allowed to talk about right. just because it's only verbal commitments and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the guys that – that are excited to go for fans. They, they look on the, um, they can go to flow on some of these different websites and see the, the guys that have verbal to us early right now, but we have some amazing guys and it's, it's going to be a battle. I tell our guys starting right now, you're going to see things change next year. Everyone's excited about the 10 guys competing and how they develop from where they came in as high school kids and where they're finishing right now, but they're going to see that these guys are going to get pushed and they're going to compete and we're going to continue to put the best guy out there. And so, there's some guys that are that are in the room right now that I imagine are going to be battling against guys that are potential All-Americans this year, and they're going to be fighting for the spot. But that's an exciting thing for Gopher Wrestling. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, hey, um, we'll let you get back to work. Uh, it sounds like they did shut the music off back there, so you can uh, you can turn it back on. And, uh, hey, best of luck uh, in Detroit uh, here at the uh, end of next week. And uh, uh, it's been really fun watching this year, and I know you're excited for uh, for the future as well. Yeah, awesome. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. Go Gophers, and we'll we'll talk soon. My thanks to both Brandon Agam and Justin Gard for joining me on the Go Gopher podcast, episode number 10. And again, our thanks to our presenting sponsor, Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. The Go Gopher podcast is also sponsored by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. 
Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and please be sure to subscribe to the Go Gopher podcast right now. It's free to listen at any time. We'll talk again next week.